1: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Continuing our expectations series today, and the big one, Lamar Jackson, uh, we'll talk about here, and I'm sure this is going to take a little while. So we just had him on the show, as opposed to having two disparate players, usually an offense and defensive player on the same show. Here to talk about Lamar Jackson with me is Kevin Ostriker. Kevin, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, Ken, I'm doing great. Lamar Jackson, obviously the most important player on this Baltimore team. I'm excited to dive into him with the year.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's great.
2: Appreciate your work over on, on Locked on Ravens. Tell folks where they can talk uh, on Twitter with you. Yeah, yeah. My Twitter handle is at 34 Of course, a ton of Ravens conversation going on throughout this part of the offseason, so you can find me over there. All right, great. So, Lamar Jackson, obviously, coming
0: back from the injury is the first question. And, and probably the first thing on my mind is, is there any possibility of lingering effects of the bone bruise? Definitely something we want to put behind us, uh, be cognizant about. Are you aware of anything that might ride into this season? You
2: no, know, I, I don't think so. No, obviously, I'm not a doctor, so it's, I take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I think when you're looking at injuries like torn ACLs, for example, or the torn ligaments, those are things you have to worry about a little bit more. I don't think Lamar Jackson's injury is going to have any lingering effects into the air and obviously you'd hope not because of the player that he is and just what he's able to do with his mobility both with the way that he throws it, the way that he runs but I just don't feel like with what he suffered it seems like he's already looking great from what we've seen from the workout videos he's posted he's running great and I wouldn't anticipate him having that heading into the regular season, maybe they, they play it cautious. And obviously with what happened last preseason. Maybe they will with some of their starter players, but I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that injury is something that I'm not particularly worried about right now.
0: Yeah. We'll probably get a good idea in camp. If he's, if he's throwing dimes, if he's, if he's on target with his longer throws in particular, if he's, I don't, the thing we, we probably won't tell from camp, even from 11 on 11 action, you do see a little bit high prevalence of throws to Andrews in camp and 11 on 11 action. But uh, I don't think we'll necessarily get the connection until we actually see some live fire. Whether that's you know opponents in in some of the um, uh, hard scrimmages against other teams, I don't know what they've got set up for this year if they got one of those or not, or whether they uh, uh, you know we see them a little bit in the preseason, but then we really see them in the regular season.
2: Right, and my mo with the preseason because they they shrunk it down from the four to the three. Obviously, is I think mm-hmm. what they did with the four is they kind of had a couple dry or. Like a quarter or so in the first game, then you had another quarter in the second game, a half in the third game, and then nothing in the fourth game. So I think for Lamar Jackson, for those starters, if you really want to get him some run and test out that ankle a little bit, maybe you have a quarter in the first game, half in the second game, none in the third game. But again, after the Dobbins injury... I don't know if John Harbaugh is going to play any of those guys for any amount of time in the preseason there.
0: Right. Or, or you know, two series, or maybe, maybe one series and, and two or three series. That's it. You know, kind of thing. That's, it's, I would agree. I think less is more in terms of preseason play. I think there's actually minimal gain from starters playing with live fire in the preseason. There's just a few things in terms of timing and and making sure you're on the same page with receivers In Lamar's case. That would be
2: kind of nice to see, but just
0: every moment he's out there, uh, you worry.
2: Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are professional. So I do understand the the ramp up point and trying to get them a little bit of live action before the regular season. But for guys like Lamar Jackson, if he's if he takes 10 less reps in the preseason than people would like, I don't think that's gonna impact very much actually heading into a regular season game where we all know what he can do on the field.
0: All right, well, let's get right to it here and, and talk about some individual things we'd like to see from Lamar Jackson in 2022. Some of these are improvements. Some of these are continuations, but we're going to go through this, and we're just going to alternate. I'm sure we have a highly overlapping list here, but Kevin, you go ahead and give me the first thing on your list in terms of what you want to see from Lamar Jackson in 22.
2: Yeah, well, I, I definitely just want to see him on the field and kind of going off of that, the electricity that he brings both with his arm and, and with his legs, the dynamic element that he brings. I want to see him continue to impact the game in such a unique and different way that fits the Ravens. I mean, this team has bought all in he's they've gone all in on Lamar Jackson. And because of that, their offense has seen a ton of success when he's on the field. And is it, is it, is it a perfect offense? No, but I think what you're able to do with him on the football field is it, it has that electricity factor in it. And I know that when looking at a player like him, you have to game plan in so many different ways. And, That can be stressful for a defense. I mean, it's hard to do all that for just one singular player. That's a great
0: point. I mean, how Lamar puts stress on opposing defense is exactly what the Ravens need again. I don't think they can have a dominant run game without him being part of the three-headed monster. And when I mean that, I'm really talking about three prongs to different parts of the field to threaten it. So the Ravens would run, you know, some sort of jet motion, or put a player on the on the left side, mostly mostly it's jet motion or some sort of motion, and then have a sidecar action going the other direction, and Lamar would be the threat up the middle, and a lot of teams are running themselves into trouble with that, but the the net effect is Lamar makes every other player on offense better, and that's really what I want to see. I, a return to this next year uh, that, that Jackson uh, brings back the running game in a meaningful way. The Ravens, I think they dro- might've dropped the fifth, but it's amazing. They didn't drop further, given the, the you know, group of uh, elder statesmen running backs they brought in to, to fill in for a year. But uh, uh, you know, I, that run game needs to come back and, and I don't think it will, unless we have Jackson making everybody better as the, as the heart and soul of it.
2: Right, and I think there is now a greater appreciation for the running back position in Baltimore a little bit because of <laughs> the fact that I think this fan base had to to watch a lot of Le'Veon Bell and how that didn't really work. Latavius Murray was okay. Dev- Devonta Freeman had a good back half of the season, but you're right. Lamar Jackson, I think, makes not just the pass offense go. He makes the rushing offense go, too, because he's, he's oh, absolutely. pulling guys with yeah. him. You have to... Hope that the edge defender can either contain or do whatever. And obviously, on those pulls, I mean, I, I want to get back to seeing those J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson exchanges. I mean, that's something that I missed a lot in 2021 when Dobbins wasn't on the field and Jackson goes down. So you're missing that. But the rushing game for this team is so important. And I mean, in terms of actual passing attempts, Baltimore was last in the league in both 2019 and 2020. In 2021, that obviously goes up to ninth. I, I think mm-hmm. obviously because of the injuries to the running backs a little bit, just the way they had to adjust that offense. But I think if you can get and the back, defense, yeah, go exactly. And if you can get back to that balance of I think passing and rushing. I mean, this is a run first team. I think still at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can have that balance, and if they can do that, I think it just makes this offense so much more dangerous because we know what Lamar Jackson is as a thrower, and he's a really good one.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a good point because it's it's a good thing at the end of the season if the Ravens are arguing over not having enough targets for receivers. And there's receivers complaining about not getting enough targets. Actually a good thing because it'll mean the Ravens are dominant on defense again. Because they had the then converted that in the ability to run the ball consistently and just beat the opponent up with their huge offensive line. Linderbaum's a little small, but the rest of the guys are all elephants. They're all very big players and uh you know Go on and uh, and dominate the way they did in 2019. Have that kind of uh, series success rate they did in terms of what they do with a new set of downs every time. Uh, that that's the ideal Ravens state. You know, don't complain about it. If they become the 72 or 73 Dolphins again, that that you know are, are are throwing a very limited number of times. They proved in 2019 you don't need to pass a lot to win. They lost a playoff game, but they proved they didn't need to pass a lot to win during that season.
2: And it was incredible what they did there. And, And this is a, what have you done for me now lately league? So people remember obviously very recently what has happened. And I think what is fresh in a lot of people's minds when thinking about the Ravens is the six game losing streak, the late season collapse that they weren't able to make the playoffs, you know, the first time since 2017. But I mean, going back to, to 2020 2019 i mean this was the team that would hold the ball for 9 10 11 12 minutes at a time oh yeah partially because again you just can't account for lamar jackson and gus edwards and jk dobbins and what's the threat of throwing the football with mark andrews and Rashad Bateman. so you have all these weapons lamar jackson obviously marquise brown not being there you know it hits the wide receiver room i'm not going to sugarcoat that but again do they need to have a uh, DK Metcalf and a Debo Samuel and all these guys on the same team? No, they don't. Because I they think, didn't in 2019. Right. And, and Lamar Jackson has proven that he can win with guys who aren't necessarily considered wide receiver ones. And I think Rashad Bateman is as talented as any receiver on that roster right now. He has that potential. So what he has proven, what Lamar Jackson has proven he can do with, you know, not the Kyler Murray cast of weapons or the Josh Allen cast of weapons is, is nothing short of incredible not to, you know, kind of get, get onto another track here, but those receiving options haven't been what they've been for other quarterbacks and he still performed.
0: Okay. So I'm going to move on into to another idea here, which is, which is similar and connected is that I, I want to see Lamar develop a top connection with Bateman for starters. Cause I think he has to, I, I don't think there's a way to get it and at least one other receiver other than Andrews cuz i assume he's still going to have that connection that will will we'll see that otherwise you know the newer cast here not having brown uh, you know even not having miles boykin who he didn't really have a connection with at least he probably understood what boykin was doing on the field and knew how to throw him throw him open i, I need him to have a connection with three receivers in total this year could be tight ends could be colar could could be an Andrews and 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 Bateman only, um, but he needs to have a connection with guys. And the, the ball needs to get spread around a little more than it has in past years with Brown. I don't think that Bateman is going to have the same kind of separation skills. He's a very good route runner, so we'll, we'll probably see a high reception total from him. But I don't think he'll necessarily have the same separation skills that Brown had, the ability, obviously, to take the top off of defense. So I'm looking for additional connections.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's a trust factor with these guys. We know how much Lamar Jackson trusts Mark Andrews. We see that on the field. And I think, you know, you are talking about Miles Boykin, you're right. I don't think there was much of a connection because we saw multiple times that there were miscommunications or Miles Boykin was blocking on, on throw. You know, it was all these different little things where I think the trust kind of evaporated a little bit, not that even it was there to begin with, but. For a team that, again, you lose your top guy with Marquise Brown, I remember back in 2019 when the conversations were, well, all right, which weapon is the defense going to take away this week and which other weapon is going to go off? So they would game plan for one. If that was Mark Andrews, they'd take him away. Marquise Brown would have a big game. They they would do the opposite as well. So to me, I I would love to see that because it means that it's more people for the defense to account for in the passing game on a team that I don't think is going to be bat- pass first. So if you make that commitment and make that passing offense better, I think it, again, it opens up the run game. The pass game opens up the run game. The run games open, opens up the pass game. So I think if there's a, a Devin DuVernay or a James Prochet, we can really trust on third downs, for example, it will make it that much harder for defenses.
0: Right. Prochet would be a good choice, by the way, for that connection, but go ahead. Another, another years now.
2: Yeah, I, I think, Personally, I would like to see the deep ball game return for the Ravens. Again, something that Tyler Huntley struggled with a lot during his time on the field. I think what right. one completion over 20 yards or something of that. It was something that we didn't really see. And Lamar Jackson has been a quarterback that likes to air the ball out. He's someone who has, I think, a very sneaky, powerful arm. And someone who, you know, looking at last season, he had nine air yards per attempt. That was fourth in the league. So he, he's throwing that thing down the field. Right. And you 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 miss the field stretching ability of Marquise Brown now. He, he's not with the team anymore. That's something that you kind of have to say, how are the Ravens going to replicate that? Is that Devin Duvernay? How are they going to use it with Rashad Bateman? So maybe there's an undrafted guy that makes the team and, and is that field stretcher. But at the end of the day, I think the deep ball aspect of this offense is very important to stretching the defense out and opening up that run game.
0: Yeah, it's 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 extremely important. I have it slightly different on my on my sheet here because my my thing is you need to force the defense to play at three levels. Um and and you can't obviously in the Miami game is the ultimate example where, you know, the Miami ran 40 cover 0 plays against the Ravens and just com- completely befuddled uh Jackson and, and and Roman. I mean Jackson should have known how to deal with it too, but Roman uh as well needed to call some plays probably to 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 make that uh, to beat that. Uh, but they, they, uh, you know, need to force defenses to fear them getting past that second level, so they keep defenders in level three. Jackson alone should create that because he's the extended play guy. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, you know, he he should create a fear of people being not deeper than the deepest and wider than the widest, as Brian Billick used to put it. You know, you need you you your corners need to be wider than the widest and deeper than the deepest. Your your safeties in that case. But uh, it's it's if if they can if Lamar can get back to forcing that I think that will be something that really opens up the run game and and the fact if if most of the throws go to the middle of the field but he's still forcing defenses to play that way where they're playing deep that's okay um, it it's it'll it'll be ideal if he can if he can force throws some at least to the outside as well as as well as deep in the middle
2: yeah and and for me I know there's been a lot of I guess I'd call it criticism from media members you know out more more so outside about well he can only throw to the middle of the field and you know his outside throws well honestly those have been overblown statistics first of all sure. but second of all to me this is something even going back to their offense you know I don't care how the points are scored I don't care how the yards are picked up as long as they're picked up you know it could be the ugliest play in the world if it's a touchdown I am 10 out of 10 happy and that's what this Ravens team has showed. the whole league has kind of gone one way with this high flying passing offense where the ravens have proven success in the other direction with running the football so if you can force defenses to kind of again you mentioned play at all three levels i think it just helps and helps and helps and i think we we just we haven't seen an offense with the full cast of of weapons for lamar jackson in the running game the offensive line the wide receivers the tight ends everybody In a pretty long time, all things considered, and I think if they can, obviously health is a key point here, but if they can get all that back and have Lamar Jackson play at even just near what he was doing in the first half of 2021, I think that's going to be an offense that is very, very improved.
0: Yeah, they were very potent in the first half of 2021, no doubt about it. And and you mentioned the A. Dot earlier, but uh, his his uh, average depth of target started off at historic levels early in the year, and he was completely the boss. Then the, the Ravens dropped way off, and when they had Huntley, they were having a scheme, scheme pocket awareness, as I call it, for Huntley, meaning he was having such trouble in his terms of turning around in the pocket and getting lost in the pocket and and, and getting sacked a lot. And the offensive line was at that point very weak, but but he he uh, uh, really had, they had to scheme the ball out so quickly that it took away threats like like um, uh, Brown from them, and that was the central reason, in my opinion, why he wasn't getting a lot of either deep targets or deep uh, receptions there.
2: Yeah, there was a lot, especially in the when Tyler Huntley started to play, the Ravens just could not generate anything deep because Huntley was overthrowing guys. He it was inaccurate with his passes in the in the deep part of the field. And it took away an element that I think could have really helped them maybe win a game or two later in the year. Instead, they'd lose six straight, a lot of close games there, and there were other there were a lot of other things that went wrong there. It wasn't just the deep ball accuracy of Huntley, but I do think that Lamar Jackson has shown that he has a sneaky underrated deep ball. And I don't think people appreciate it as much as they should. And I think this is the year where it's it's almost like a how do you respond to a player like Marquise Brown getting traded away? Is Marquise Brown the best receiver in the NFL? He's not. But I think he added an element to that offense that was pretty important. So how do yeah. you replace that? And how does Lamar Jackson respond to that? I'm interested to see how that works out for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Brown was a big, uh, significant component of forcing layered defense on the opponent and creating space underneath for Andrews. And I, I don't, I, we won't know right away, or or we, if we do know right away, it's probably a bad thing. Uh, if uh, what what's happened, I'm going to move on and go to another thing. I, I want to see Lamar take only necessary risk on hits this year, and and I, it, it, this is there'll be a maturation process. He's probably going to run less than he has before. Would be my guess, um, uh, but. The biggest hits uh, you know, f- for Lamar don't generally come on sacks. A lot of those are converted run plays uh, where where he decides to take off from the pocket where another quarterback might throw the ball away because he's making a decision with a slightly better than, uh, you know, a slightly positive expectation in terms of, of yards gained. And I've shown that before in other another studies work I've done here, so I'm not going to get into that. But uh, quarterback hits are the big problem. And, and it, it, it's something that he needs to be very aware of in terms of of how much he means to this team in terms in terms of, of setting himself up on extended plays where he might take a quarterback hit. He's got to be a little bit careful about it. I want him to do it, obviously, if the game is on the line on runs. And uh, other than that, I'd like to see more of a return to 2019 in terms of his willingness to... I think it's going to be mostly go down and not duck out of bounds because the nature of the run offense they use with Lamar has changed. When they ran out of pistol, he was an outside threat who was typically running towards the sideline. There's lots of opportunities to go out of bounds. When he's when he's now out of sidecar, that running back becomes the outside threat. Lamar's running straight up the middle most of the time, which makes him very dangerous, by the way, Um, maybe more dangerous than running to the outside, but it also results in more hits. And he's got to be more careful in the middle of the field about not taking hits.
2: I remember back during his rookie year in 2018 when he was taking almost every hit under the sun. (laughs) And, you know, I think I've been very impressed with his maturation process in terms of protecting his body and getting out of bounds and going down. He still takes hits, but Mm -hmm. I think that compared to what we saw then and even going back there, he fumbled. I think in seven starts, he fumbled a lot. So there are other areas where he obviously he's improved since his rookie season. But I think taking hits has been one of the bigger ones for me, where he is a lot smarter with his body now. And yeah, in terms of what he should do this year, I also think he'll probably run, run a little bit less in 2022 mm-hmm. than we have seen in previous seasons. But I still think, yeah, with, with the style of play, he's always going to take hits. And, you know, people, people attribute that to – well, you know, since he's taking more hits because he's running a little bit more than other quarterbacks, he's going to get injured. Well, the, the play where he got injured on in the Cleveland game came when he was rolling out. And, and it was his his injuries haven't necessarily and not that he's gotten injured in the first place a lot. This is really the first time he missed significant time due to an injury he suffered on the field. They they haven't come due to big hits necessarily outside of the- there was that one hit it was against the jets i think back in 2019
0: when he set the rushing yeah, record
2: he got yeah. he got leveled and he he popped right back up he was t- you know talking about mm-hmm. you know hold my quarter if you've seen that wired episode and so he's he's someone who will take those hits a lot but at the same time i do think that i've been very impressed with with his ability to kind of be smart with his body get out of bounds and understand that you know this extra one or two yards is is something that you don't necessarily need okay good with your next one yeah, I, I guess going off of that, I, I feel like for me, I'd like to see improved decision-making from Lamar Jackson from, from a whole sense. I think starting with that Miami game, there was something to me at least where it seemed like he was running when he should have been throwing, throwing when he should have been running. There were the plays where he should have thrown the ball out of bounds. We saw him throw a couple times, very forced throws that almost resulted in interceptions and I think, you know, he's a very smart football player. Don't get me wrong. He makes a lot of really good decisions, but I just feel like the decision making from the Miami game up until when he got injured kind of dropped off a little bit. I, I think that will be better this season. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that every single game, almost every play, the tackles were just letting in so much pressure and he his clock was sped up. And it was sped up too much. And so I'm not putting all that blame on him. But I think there is a little bit to go around to a lot of different people, Jackson included, because it's just something where it impacted the offense in a really, really big way.
0: Yeah, the Miami game in particular, it wasn't really an offensive line problem. That was a they needed a recognition because they had a one man overload on every one of those plays. And in fact, they were leaving offensive linemen without work in the middle by dropping their nose tackles and defensive tackles into a short zone where they would be able to to take care of Jackson or take care of obstruct throws sometimes by having a bigger man there. The big thing that I keep mentioning on this is their nose tackle Adam Butler. Okay, he used to play for the Patriots. He's been around the league, not a not a, you know, a great player by by any circumstances. He dropped to cover 18 times in one game. That game Incredible, incredible. I, I, I in terms of things I've counted defensively, there's almost been nothing more extreme than that statistic that has come up that I've seen. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to play off that a little bit, and see, including the 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 better decision making. I want to see that. Generally speaking, I, I want to see reduced turnovers uh, come off that decision making and, and Lamar's slump that you talked about. Really uh, was the first slump of his career and it had some really bad interceptions in it. Some unforced errors, um, some forced as well. Um, but he's, he's got to really reduce that. The fumbles, he's done a good job at, at, at reducing them, particularly between 18 and 19, but he still could do more there probably to reduce his fumbles. What he really needs to do is reduce foolish interceptions that are in the middle of the field in particular. And, and, uh, and not allow those to uh, to occur. He may have a set of receivers that I think will help him more with Kolar, Andrews, and Bateman all on the field. Even though Bateman, you know, his first game had one of those tip drill interceptions he created himself. I think he's a he's a player actually who helped Lamar reduce interceptions over time.
2: Yeah, and I think also. So I remember the the Cleveland game. I mean, there were six interceptions in that game. Lamar had four of them, and the Ravens uh-huh. still won that game somehow. Some of those intercept like a couple of them weren't necessarily his fault, but there were a couple where it was just like, you know, why are you making this decision? And again, the offensive line at this point was very, very weak. So there's a mm-hmm. little bit there, but also there were some throws that you're just like, you know, why you why are you making this throw when this guy's open or there's a lane here? And that's something also I've over the course of his career, there sometimes has been a clear rushing lane and Lamar Jackson opts to throw the ball. And look, he's a quarterback first, right? He's someone who likes to throw the football, and he's good at it. So I understand why, but sometimes for me, again, for someone who doesn't care how the yards are picked up necessarily, you know, take that rushing lane. Go get 15 yards instead of trying to get 30 on a you know 50-50 ball to whoever it may be. So, again, I still think he is a very good decision maker. I just think there was a little bit of a, a rough stretch for him before he got injured from that Miami game on. Because of a couple different factors, so again in 2022 I think it will be a lot smoother for him with an improved and, and much more healthy offense in general. But it's something that we did see in 2021 that I think will probably go away to an extent in 2022, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, good go go ahead to your next one then.
2: Yeah, so for me, I think that for Jackson in particular, we know how good of a player he is in multiple different aspects, but. I think for me, I want to see him get back to just slinging that ball in the pocket. You know, when he is in the pocket, when he has a healthy line and he has time to process through his reads, throw the football, he is one of the best in the business. And again, something of his something of his game is underrated. And for me, he's a player that gets, I don't, I don't know what it is, but when you look at just how he's able to place balls in the utmost of tight windows and for example like the devin duvernay touchdown against minnesota there was probably one place mm-hmm. he could throw thrown that football and, and he put it into perfection and so i want to see him get back to those just dot throws where he's throwing it over two guys three guys putting the right 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 on the money because we've seen him do it so many times and you have to respect those throws as a defense because if he's making those throws consistently during the course of a game you have to adjust to it because you can't necessarily say well the, the old Baker Mayfield saying, you know, throw, let him throw the ball and we'll win the game. That doesn't work. You know. You have to mm-hmm. respect that. So to be able to get those balls placed in the right places, he can do it time and time again. I'm excited to see that personally.
0: OK, so improved accuracy, certainly a, a, a good thing. I'm going to kind of build off that a little bit and talk about um, improved game management skills, which I think uh, are, are are closely tied. But it's really like a four prong thing. So I'm going to talk through this a little bit is. Um, I'd like to see the Ravens get to the line of scrimmage quicker. Uh, you know, into this is really play management, by the way, not game management. I misspoke there, but but the, this is try to get to the line of scrimmage quicker because it gives you additional options, gives you more time to read the defense, puts more stress on a defense that's tired, a, a whole lot of positive things. If you if you want to get to running a no huddle, by the way, they really need to to learn how to get to the line of scrimmage quickly and and do that. The Ravens have have been an unbelievably great no huddle team at the ends of halves. There's no reason why they can't implement that at other times during, during the game and put incredible stress on a, on a defense, but they've really never tried to. Uh, So getting the line of scrimmage quickly would be a big thing. I I want him to read the defense well there. I want to improve his improved ability to make checks on his own, to become a field general. Um, He is what Lamar Jackson is, is the best improviser probably that ever has played the game. You know, Michael Vick and, and others would, 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 Say or Joe Montana, for that matter, uh, you know, was an improviser as well. But Lamar Jackson brings more to the field in terms of of ability to improvise after the play begins than anybody ever has. And it, he, I, I want him to rely less on that and and pick up more of these play management skills that will last him the rest of his career. And and you know, Coach Evans is on the show once in a while. Had a great comment about it that I I, I just love is when Lamar Jackson loses his speed. He'll just be Russell Wilson, and it's it's natural that there will be a progression as a as a play manager that allow him to be at a much higher level. So I think if if I'm looking for for an area of improvement, I think that would be a good thing. One other thing in terms of game management that goes with the play management here is go ahead and milk the clock down to the last second. Lamar does not seem to be highly aware of that. So he doesn't try and run it down to, down to one or two seconds each time. Phil Sims always used to brag about how good he was at doing that. Uh, But if, but uh, Lamar doesn't really, uh, doesn't really do that. And the Ravens, you know, obviously have a possession offense and that, that would be an additional little edge for them.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it goes hand in hand with each other because I, I think when you're looking at running the clock down, when you're, Actually, at line of scrimmage, first you're in the huddle and it's going ten, nine, eight, seven, and mm-hmm. you have to gear at the line with five seconds, and you got to make sure everybody's you know motion, they're set or they are they not set. I I think for a lot of that, you know, is it Jackson as a Roman? I feel like it almost you know a lot of that has to do with the play style calling of Roman, but again, getting to the line faster for Jackson is another thing. I think it's not all on Roman, it's not all on Jackson. I think it is a combination mm-hmm. of the two, but I think again. We've seen up tempo work and no huddle work for this team before. And it's really, really, really effective. But then I think the frustrating part is that we do see the Ravens not get to the line and every time it's like you're worrying if the snap's gonna get off. We've seen delay game penalties, I think, way too much. And not that there have been like thirty of them, but even like five is, is way too much because you have ample time to get everything in. And then if you can get into that rhythm, I think, yeah, I'd love to see if Lamar Jackson can get into that rhythm. And then the play calling kind of follows that rhythm and almost like reads the field and say, you know what, we're going to take this drive and no huddle, even though it's five minutes to go in the second quarter or 10 minutes to go in the second quarter, it's working. So we don't have to milk the clock right now, but it's, it's, it's an interesting balance of when you should milk the clock first, when you should go up tempo, especially with what they do with the running game.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the things about running no huddle is that you really need a great defense to support it. The Ravens may be back to that. You know, they had it in nineteen. They certainly had it in eighteen. Um, but they but they had a great defense in nineteen too that that could support a no huddle offense if they wanted to run that. You know, they're they're in a position right now where they, okay, the, the counter example is the nineteen ninety six Ravens who literally Marsha Brode had to say, look. I'd love to run no huddle because our team's almost unstoppable in it, but uh, our defense, you know, would wear down to nothing if if they had to be on the field that often. And and he was right. You know, they really, they really weren't able to do it. That was by the way, that 1996 team really unusual. They had to shift from a four, three base defense, which was their standard at the time to a three, four during the year due to injuries, which is always a, A disastrous kind of a formula for things.
2: Yeah, it's so great because once we saw the Ravens start to milk the clock and we saw those 10, 11, 12 minute drives, I mean, we saw time of possessions where the Ravens had the ball for like 45 minutes. The other team had it for 15. The defense was so well rested. The offense for the opposing team couldn't get on the field. So there is that balance of, you know, when no huddle works, it works. There's a time for it and a place for it, but you have to I think even earlier on in the season, we might not see as much of it because, you know, trying to work back in Marcus Peters and maybe trying to manage snap counts for Klayas Campbell, they have the depth to not necessarily need to adjust their defense just based off a couple of injuries. But to me, this no huddle offense versus milking the clock offense is a pretty interesting debate overall.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a good debate. I'm going to throw in what I think is a big piece of that is that when the Ravens um, run no huddle and do lead management. So, they're up seven, but you want to be up fourteen, and it's early third quarter. You want to force the other team to pass every down. Be up fourteen midway through the third quarter. Just do that. And yeah, you can you can be trying to milk the game and run out the clock when you're up seven. I don't think that's the the, the best strategy. If you if you run no huddle and go up fourteen, you can play diamond quarter the rest of that game. And if they want to run, go ahead and let them run. They, they're not going to do that much against you they're not going to score quickly enough to catch up to you know to to another Lamar jackson possession which will come after their first score you know so so you know it's a uh, this team in particular is extraordinarily well suited given their back to front build to lean on opponents that have to pass to catch up it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that
2: yeah I think so too and it actually it leads me into another point because I think with that no huddle offense, you have to score and you have to score touchdowns. Oh yeah. And I think last season we saw a bit of a drop off in the red zone efficiency and just taking field goals instead of touchdowns, especially late in the year. And it cost them games late in the year because they were losing by one, two, three points when they could have had 12 more points or 18 more points because they took field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. So that's something I'd like to see them get back to. I know Lamar Jackson about, Fifty-eight percent completion in the red zone last season. I mean, that's that's a fine number. I think you maybe would like to see it a little bit so higher. Low. Yeah, a l- little bit higher. But yeah. I think it overall that part of the offense is going to be so huge because if if you start taking field goals over touchdowns and you get comfortable with that, I think this is this is a team that can blow people out. And if a lot of that be- was
0: Huntley. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I while I'm while I'm not happy about the way the season ended and the six game losing streak and whatnot. Um, not having Lamar was central to the Ravens not making the playoffs. It's it, you, you can you talk about anything else. They win that Pittsburgh game. They probably win the Green Bay game. You know, all in fact, I'll just toss it out there they probably win every single one of the close games. Uh, if if Lamar had been in there instead of uh, instead of Huntley,
2: yeah, and I mean is there is a debate, you know, is there a more important player to a team than Lamar Jackson <laughs> in the Ravens? I mean, there there is a pure debate there of like, you know, based, based off of what we saw when Lamar Jackson was out in the offense first, when Lamar Jackson was in, they were still scoring when Lamar Jackson was in. When Tyler Huntley came in, and again, no, no shade to Tyler Huntley or anything, but mm-hmm. again, this was a player who was thrust into action in multiple situations, and mm-hmm. I think responded to... Decently, but there was there was a lot missing when you look at a player like Huntley versus a player like Jackson. You know there was debates about oh well should they trade Jackson and roll with Huntley? I mean <laughs> I mean there's such a difference in between the two players. You know Lamar Jackson is is a star in this league. Tyler Huntley is a I think a very good backup, but that's what it is right now. You know Huntley's the backup, Jackson's the starter. You saw such a shift in the offense once Jackson was out that to me. It makes a pure debate about whether he is the most valuable player in football. Yeah,
0: to to me, there's no there's there's not really any debate about it. And one of the things that PFF has never had the ability to capture, or other other scoring methods for that matter, is how Jackson impacts the remainder of the players on the field. When when the primary concern has to be, are all the exits blocked? for the Ravens run game, for Lamar Jackson, for, you know, what might happen for this 11th guy that has an enormous impact on everything. The blocking is better. It's easier to play right tackle in the Ravens' system, for example, with all that down blocking, moving to half level up. I mean, he he literally makes every other player offensively on the field better. And, you know, the argument can be made. He makes every defender better because of the way the Ravens offense has been able to control snap count and, 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 uh, you know, maintain non-fatigue, have play from a lead when they could lean on the opponents in terms of specialized defenses, all of that. And uh, you know, all of those elements played into the great run in 2019 and 20 and the, and the early 21 team. Uh, it's, it's just a shame that, that uh, uh, you know, and, and underscores the fact of Jackson's value that, that it didn't continue when, uh, when he was off the field.
2: Yeah, and I I'd love to just hear if there was how many defenders have thanked Lamar Jackson for holding the football for ten minutes. And say, you know, I was gassed after that last drive. <laughs> I didn't want to go back out there on a three and out. You know, thank you for holding that ball. Now I have my breath. Now I can go out there and play. It has a huge impact on what the defense can do. I don't I don't think enough people understand just how much the offensive success can impact the defensive success, especially when you're scoring on every drive after holding the ball for so long. And when you can also add that no huddle effect into it, I mean, it, it impacts the whole team in such a positive way.
0: All right. I'm, I'm going to go with one more here. I've got improves extended plays and this is another, this is a real big one for me. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things about Jackson is I think as he is tremendous pocket awareness, by the way, he takes a bump like nobody from the backside so you know, he, with Villanueva, he, even though Villanueva was giving up a ton of pressure, obviously um, he took a bump and he, and he was able to move around the pocket. With Ronnie Stanley, it was even better because Ronnie Stanley has a better mirror, less off balance than Villanueva, more able to uh, give up ground to maintain that mirror. When he bumped Jackson, no big deal. I'll just move over here and make my throw. Uh, all of that Jackson took it was just absolutely wonderful. With hopefully. With Stanley's return, we can get back to a similar level of play over there. That, that's that's a big one for the Ravens this year. Uh, and and, and uh, be able to extend plays in a similar manner. But one of the things that's got to come with those extended plays is more progressions. And I think Lamar, probably as much as just about any other quarterback I've seen, kind of tends to lock on a single receiver as a play progresses more. So he may decide, oh, I want you going deep, or you know, I want to, and and all of a sudden he cannot make multiple reads when he's outside the pocket. I I don't know if that has to be that way. I don't know if it's more effective if it is that way, but I would like to see more progressions in line with the extension of plays. His his ability to hold the football is uh, is like no no other, and I think that the results need to reflect that more. I'm confident they will. Um, you know, in in 2022 again, after not so much in uh, in 2021, and part of that is identifying connections uh, among individual receivers who know how to do what off schedule things he wants them to do. So Andrews and he had a great connection. Remember back to the Andrews one handed grab down that right sideline where he went deep on the play. It was just a, those guys obviously were working with one mind there, and they had the hive mind thing going, and we're we're, we're, we're getting it done. That's that's fantastic. That's what we want to see. I want to see other receivers not play by the standard rules of this guy goes to the right sideline, this guy goes short. This guy goes, you know, I I want to see more guys know to go opposite of normal because the defenders typically will play to the norm. So if you if you if you start one way, uh, particularly towards that right sideline as he rolls right and then you break it back the other way, enormous opportunity to create separation there. Because that that defensive back will commit himself very quickly. And, you know, they always tell you don't throw back to the middle of the field. In Jackson's case,
2: sometimes that's the best option. Sometimes it's a great option. Yeah, he's one of the, I think, actually the best th- th- in terms of actually extending plays. just yeah, sure. best one of those guys in the league. But I do agree that. When you're looking at what he can do with that, there is I think there's room for improvement, which is crazy because, you know, he's been the best there. But if he can up that to another level, which I'm, I'm confident it'll be a lot better in 2022 than it was in 2021. Again, offensive line, I think you mentioned Villanueva played a decently big part in that. But again, the, the connection with receivers is huge. I think also it's one of the debates that I've used in terms of should the Ravens sign a veteran at the position because those guys, you know, they've been in the league for a while. They understand how to work back to a quarterback when things don't necessarily go as planned, how to kind of sit down in a soft zone in a defense where they can get, they not, I'm not saying the Ravens receivers now can't do that. I mean, they're professional receivers. They understand how to do that. But, you know, I, I look at guys like Devin Duvernay and James crochet and Tyler Wallace and even Rashad Bateman, you have two second year guys and two third year guys there. So what is, the experience level for them it's it's not as much as a Julio Jones or, or Will Fuller or whoever so will they be able to do that at a level that I think is acceptable yeah I, I think so but if you can add a veteran to that I think it's a, obviously a different conversation but if Lamar Jackson can extend those plays and have receivers working back to him and making his life easier it'll make Lamar's I think year just so much better overall
0: the guy I'm really optimistic about will meet that standard you're talking about as being a you know a connection guy who knows how to get open is Kolar because first of all he's got the body size to really make that work and, and a good he's on the efficient frontier as I would say of size and speed so you know he, he can he can do enough of that block out people with his body uh, got a very large catch radius so if there are mistakes made on balls over the middle he can help you out on those uh, by by tipping them or, or, or preventing a, uh, a, a safety or whoever it might be from getting an easy interception. Uh, so hopefully Kolar is the guy I, i know appreciate has shown at, at times a connection with Lamar on extended plays. Uh, so it could, could be another possession guy like that. But I think that, you know, Andrews Colar, uh, and Bateman are, the, are the, are the big three. I would really hope for being his, his guys on extended plays this year.
2: Yeah. I, I like Prochet a lot in that situation too. I mean, the, the Cincinnati game he played phenomenal football and obviously didn't really have a chance to do anything after that unfortunately but i think that when you're looking at some of those guys who were just like sneaky good players Perche is one of those guys very technically sound and i think him and Jackson with extended time together extended chemistry could really i think do some damage in 2022 because of just the player that Prochet is and the way that he would i think will be able to work back to Lamar and kind of make his life easier all right i i you have another one you want to talk about i have one more still I think, I think, I think I'm all, I'm all out. I think, yeah, we've talked about a
0: lot here. It's good. We're coming to the end to kind of in a normal, you know, at the same time, but this is the overall one is the Ravens run offense needs to continue, needs to return to effectiveness. They did not have the proper weapons last year, having no speed back to threaten the outside, or at least not. They had Tyson Williams. They didn't really want to put him on the field. Uh, We don't know what was happening in practice I, I take some solace in the fact that he was a, he was kept the whole year, so he might still be in the in the mix for 2022, but there probably obviously were things he was that weren't working out in practice, yeah. like not being able to handle the mesh or fumbling the ball too much or whatever it might have been. Um, it didn't seem like there was enough he did wrong when he was in there that you'd keep him off the field for the whole year when your situation of running back was as dire as it was in terms of you know the guys there not meeting the need.
2: Yeah, the running game for this team is is the ultimate importance. Now, the passing game is obviously very important in itself. But, I mean, we saw the Ravens rushing offense ranked top five in a lot of categories last year. For those who watch the Ravens, I think we all know their rushing offense was not top five last season. It was it was a part of their game where a running back gets the ball and you're thinking, well, this is going to go for a yard or this is going to go for four yards and not really make a huge impact. And we, we missed those explosive runs. I think as people who were watching the Ravens, we, we Hmm. saw a lot of that in 2019 Well, obviously going back to 2018, 2019 and 2020. I mean, especially with JK Dobbins and what he was able to do. I mean, his his first six games, he had like twenty five carries and was like ripping off thirty yard runs, forty yard runs, and it's something mm-hmm. that this team missed. I mean, you you saw a couple of them throughout the year, but I think with that added element back, with hopefully Dobbins and Edwards being able to come back at full strength, Tyler Beatty is another guy who I think is very underrated. Right, You have that. And another thing, I actually – I guess I do have one more now that I think about it. It's kind of going off. Look, of
0: look I, I've got one more thing to say okay, on this right, one yeah, before yeah, you, you go here. It. Is here. It's, it's, it's really important to me that the Ravens be able to run out of pistol and sidecar here, which will, which will obviously change where Jackson threatens the field, or it could change where Jackson th- threatens the field. But I, I don't want them to be all out of one or all out of the other. And it was funny because out of pistol – uh, Jackson actually had some problems turning the wrong way occasionally on the handoff. So, you know, maybe that was part of the reason that they decided to get rid of it, but, but it's, it's something that, uh you know, th- that I hope they can run both because I think it gives the Ravens more options, uh, certainly more options in terms of how you run play action. You can even, you can, you can, if you run out of pistol, you can still do turn your back to the field play action. If you run a sidecar, you really can't. Um, so, so it's, it's, if they want to add that as part of the game, um, they either have to run it under center or run it out of pistol. If you want to turn your back to the field, um, I, I it, very important to me that 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 three pronged run monster involves being able to use it out of multiple formations and not just one. I think it's too easy to scheme for defensively if they uh, if they had just one, they run it out of.
2: Yeah, and for me, I think also being able for Lamar to establish a connection with running backs as receivers. I think it's something that we didn't get to see a ton in 2021. Because It was it was funny because we were hearing about it a lot during the offseason, how, you know, J.K. Dobbins was excited to be involved in that aspect. Gus Edwards was excited to be involved. And in those guys go down, and, you know, they, they didn't necessarily have that. But, you know, they draft Tyler Beatty, who was a very good receiver at Missouri. Mike Davis has been a historically good pass catcher out of the backfield there. So it seems like there's been, you know, even just with personnel – they're, they have guys who can catch out of the backfield. So I'd like to see that from Lamar. And, and this offense, too, you know, it's not just a, well, Lamar, you got to throw to the running backs every game. You know, you kind of have to scheme that up a little bit. But at the same time, I think that that is an exciting part that I think would be a big part of the offense. This year.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. I think that would be wonderful. And, and the Ravens are not limited in terms of what they can do with their running backs in terms of routes. In fact, if you're running a route, Directly off the snap, you probably want your running backs running down the field more. Now, with Beatty, they'll run some screen passes. And Linderbaum is a good matchup with Beatty in terms of being able to block in space, along with the Ravens' tight ends. You know, they may really have something there. We'll see. But a, a lot of one of the reasons why the running backs get less targets in the Baltimore system is that they're trying to clear out the underneath by running more deep routes that allow Jackson to leave the pocket when that becomes available to him. So, you know, they, they don't want to have a running back hanging around. You, you, the one thing they can do is release a running back late who's in as a pass blocker and still get some value out of that. That's an extended play component that I didn't mention, but but it's, it's a, it'd be a nice one for Mar- Lamar to exploit more. Joe Flacco, you know, you literally, you knew where Ray Rice was on any pass play. You had four receivers and you had Ray Rice then, you know standing right over here and um, you know, he had one year where he had more receiving, sorry, more yak than receiving yards, which means his average catch was behind the line of scrimmage. So you know, he was a pure screen pass thing. Well, the Ravens don't have that right now. They they have other guys who are going to catch the ball, you know, further down the field. And and uh, I, you know, I I would love for them to do more with their running backs in in the in the pass
2: game too. Yeah, it's super important, I think, and it's another it's another added element, another added aspect. It's just more guys to account for. So if you have to put out a, a, a linebacker on a running back, or you know that that guy comes out of mm-hmm. his pass block set into the middle of the field, you have to account for that. And I think that gives Lamar Jackson a ton of, of options, maybe some that we haven't seen him have before, which again could just open up this offense even more. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's talk. Let's go on and talk about how. Did you have one more to to, to do, or is that it? No, no, that's it for me we good. Okay. So let's talk about how circumstances may be better for Lamar. And I think we'll go through these just really quickly. I don't even know how much we need to talk about them, but improved offensive line play really should be a factor in here. Um, I would like to see, and this is something we haven't talked about really much since it was a real problem in 2020 in the, in the postseason during the season, but improved velocity and trajectory of snaps. Now there were not a lot of snaps that went over Jackson's head last year. There might've been one, but there were there were a lot of t- what I call 12 to 6 curveball snaps where where, you know, it's just it's it it drops the curveball drops right off the table. Lamar Jackson's picking up the ball at his knees. That's not optimal. You, you know, you want him taking a line drive, a laser shot from that from that center right belt high so he can keep his eyes on the field and doesn't have to take that three tenths of a second to reach down and get the ball, get back up and get his get his eyesight where it needs to be. So hopefully that uh, that would be improvement. Um, more speed threats at running back should be there. So we're, we're, the Ravens should be good in that. I I'll Give you a chance to respond to those three, first of all, before I moved on to two more.
2: No, yeah. I mean, offensive line is number one for me. The Ravens will, I think, live and die by their offensive line in 2022. I think they have done a lot to improve it this offseason. I, I was very pleased with how they addressed it, and they understood it was a need. And I think after what we saw with Ronnie Stanley and kind of how they – bet on his health in 2021 it did not go the way they wanted to they're making sure that's not happening in 2022 and so i think that offensive line's super important for him and also snaps too you know my one of my favorite sayings is it will not favorite to think about but lamar jackson was looking like odo beckham on some of these snaps you know just snagging one-handed snaps and it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case in 2021 again not a ton of just egregious terrible snaps but you know you go back to 2020 it was a huge issue 2021 a a lot better but you know you you want is perfect as you can get there, so that's something that I think is really, really important too.
0: Yeah, I, I, I it, it is one of the things about Bozeman that I'm uh, was displeased with but Bozeman generally speaking, very, very good center. I liked him as a polar. I liked him in terms of what he, what he did in, in terms of blocking, but his snaps, the, the, the issue was, was how low they were coming in, even when they were, you know, not over Lamar's head, they were good snaps there. They're really a, a lot of times were not good snaps. It improved a little bit as the, as the season went on. I still was kind of hoping they would resign Bozeman. Um, I can't believe he went as cheap as he did to, to the, to the Panthers, but, uh, uh, yeah, that 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 was it was a problem, and hopefully they they have it fixed with Linderbaum and and uh, we see you know that that nice tight trajectory, the nice tight spiral on the football going to chest high. I want to add two more things. I think the Ravens will have less drops this year. You know, well obviously Brown in particular had a big problem with drops last year. Um, the Ravens should have a, you know a good hand set. The more Prochet plays, the more of a hands guy you have on the field. Kolar and Andrews are both great hands guys. I think they'll get a fair number of targets. Uh, and, and I think Bateman will be the hands guy he was projected to be out of college as well. Now he had, he had a, a little bit of a problem with drops in college. In fact, it was probably the biggest thing that, that went against Bateman. I think he'll be a better pro receiver um, in that area. I think that's the area where he'll improve his game.
2: Yeah. I think we saw a lot of lost yards, lost touchdowns. I mean, that Detroit game, Marquise Brown dropped three touchdowns in, in a span of like a quarter and a half or something. So I think when you're looking at that, his season could have been even better if that didn't happen. Now, will there be drops in 2022? Yeah, there'll be a couple drops for sure. But I think you now have – I mean, we see Rashad Bateman with these crazy catches, and he has really good hands overall. I mean, they have a lot of receivers that can catch the football – this year, and I think that's one aspect that will help out Jackson because again, it's it's rhythm too. I mean, if the, if Marquise Brown catches those three touchdowns, are we talking about a Justin Tucker sixty-six yard field goal at the end of the game? No, we're probably talking about a thirty point blowout because the Ravens have those points on the board and they have a rhythm. So I think those are really important just to getting the offense confidence and in, in that type of rhythm that you're looking for.
0: All right, and so let's uh, let's flip the table and talk about what might not be as good this year. I mean, separation, I think, is going to be one of the big bugaboos. It's going to be a question mark. I, I don't know if it's going to be better or worse because they do have some good route runners on the team now. Bateman certainly came out with that, and, and will be a big part of their offense. But I think they they could have significant separation issues on the deep ball. Um, that they didn't have before. That 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 Duvernay may not be the guy for separation that they hope he is. He may have trouble getting off press, whatever it may be. That that'll make it more difficult for him. Uh, other things that that I think are are uh, you know a concern. Obviously, the reduced speed to take the top of opposing defenses. This is, a, this is a more nuanced than it seems to be because that seems like a very straightforward thing. Like, like do you have speed to take the top off the defense? Well, you just have, you'd have one guy with you know 435 speed and you're fine. It's not that simple. They have to respect Duvernay as a receiver, who's now the Ravens' fastest guy, in order to put more than a single cornerback on him. And if he doesn't cause a layered defensive effort where they're trying to bracket him with a safety, then effectively what you're doing is when you're behind in chess pieces, you're trading a rook for a rook, and it's it's not it's it, it, it's not something you do obviously when you're behind and you you already have you know ten on offense facing eleven on defense in the passing game if you want to think about it or you know you have five eligible receivers often covered by seven players you really need to have forced some two on one doubles uh, some bracketed coverage to to help open up that underneath for players like Andrews and Kolar and Bateman and Proche uh, you know, to do their thing on on shorter routes.
2: Yeah, the deep passing game is the one where I'm I'm very interested to see how it how it plays out without Brown on the team. I think it's another area where you look at the veteran receiver debate, and you're saying, "Well, will Will Fuller do that for you?" Well, obviously, you're probably getting ten huh. games, not a full not a full seventeen. But you know, with the guys on the market, if they do go that route, Fuller, Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, respected players. But how much do they have left? What's the injury situation? So, without Brown on the team now, and even the Ravens when the what was it the wired came out Peter King put out an article too about how they were targeting Calvin Austin then he goes one pick to the Steelers that's a speedster you know that's a guy with four three speed so they were I think they were trying to replace that element there at least it seems like it so now they're going to have to roll with DuVernay who you mentioned is is the team's probably deep guy at this point so kind of how does that work and how do teams respect that I think you make good points there in terms of if they don't it it could impact the offense
0: Hi, where are you on picking up a veteran receiver at this point? Would you roll with what they have or or do you think the Ravens still need a veteran too badly to ignore the, the issue?
2: I, I think it would benefit them to have one. I'm not in the camp where I think it's an absolute necessity and an absolute need to the point where I just don't trust the guys on the roster. I do if they roll with the guys they have. I think they have undrafted. solid undrafted guys but i think a veteran receiver just adds an element i mean it adds stability i I thought i mentioned earlier it's two third year guys and two second year guys are the top four options on this team right now it's a little bit of an experience i mean he could come in if it's if it's a julio jones or a ty hilton wolf my chop choice was jarvis landry there was a bit of redundancy with the players they already had on their team with him so i understand that julio jones big body fuller hilton speedsters but i think just what with what the, a veteran receiver could do in terms of leadership in that room. I think it's important. Even even I think any of those three guys would be a bit better than Sammy Watkins was in 2021 for the Ravens. I think they're just a little bit better of players. So I don't think it will hurt them. Obviously, it has to come down to money, has to come down to fit and to role and if they want to be in this offense. But I think if they can secure one of the top guys left on the veteran market, I think it wouldn't hurt them at all. Even, even if you're accounting for games missed, if they have a preparation plan for that and saying, well, okay, Julio's going to miss five games this year or Wolf is going to miss se- seven games this year. If they have a contingency plan for that, I, I think it's worth it. Is getting 10 healthy games, 12 healthy games out of Julio Jones and Wolf Fuller. I think that benefits them. If they have the plan to account for the injury. It's,
0: I, I'm I, I really hate the veteran wide receiver treadmill. I, you know, I, I hate going out and buying a guy for one year. Watkins for 5 million, I I have to really think about whether or not that was worth it. And in, in, in the macro sense, it probably wasn't because the Ravens finished eight and nine. So nothing they, no, no money they expended was good money expended because they didn't make the playoffs. But in, but in a micro sense, if you look at what Watkins did for them, he did have a couple of big plays, big play against Chicago that helped them win the football game there on, on a, a, a game. They should no way had a chance to chance to win. If, if, if the Chicago receiver just decided to go down on the play, but um, I, I'm, you know, looking at the Ravens' history with free agent wide receivers, it has not been a good one. And I, I, you know, that's, that's that's kind of putting it mildly. Going all the way back to the beginning, they just they just have not really had success. Bolden wasn't a free agent; he was a trade. I'll remind people of that. And and so, see, you really are looking at players like Steve Smith. Um, you know, was if Mike Wallace is one of the best free agents you ever sign as wide receiver, that's a very bad thing. You know, it, it, you you rem- people remember Marcus Robinson's four touchdown game. And, and sure, that was great, but that was about it. And and uh, you know the other guy they 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 picked up that year was Frank Sanders. Uh, Derek Mason, I guess, is the other guy who who you know had a very significant contribution to the Ravens over time. But basically, the Ravens haven't had good success picking up free agent wide receivers. And um, you know the guys they're looking at are not four and five year guys. I mean, I think they they would sign a one year deal with anybody they would sign, which is not you know, going to be real exciting in terms of, of uh, obviously any option value they would have at the player.
2: Right. I think another key part in it too is, I mean, hopefully at least they're not going to rely on if they bring in anybody to be a number one or a number two receiver. I know, you know, you go back to the Jeremy Macklin days or the Michael Crabtree days. I mean, those are players who were expected to have really big impacts and have really big roles and they just flopped where I think is if you sign Julio Jones, you're probably looking at him as number two. Will Fuller, maybe number two, three. Then you're getting to T.Y. Hilton, maybe like th- number three, they, maybe number two. So I don't think their role would be necessarily as big as some of the people that we have seen. But you're right. I mean, trends, the the receiver history, the free agent receiver history in Baltimore has not been very pretty overall. So I, I understand some some skepticism when it comes to that for a lot of people. And there has been that but I think the leadership aspect is, is huge in it personally, and you're not necessarily going to rely on them to be a 100-catch, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown 10, 10 guy. But if you're, if this is a like you're spending all your, all your cap space on them, then I think, oh, maybe maybe just roll what you get.
0: Do you, Yeah, and, and that's where I am, I think. But, but one other thing that I don't want to do, I, you know, t- a lot of receivers tend to have the risk of being locker room cancers. And, you know, guys that will be, uh, you know, could – concerned about targets, particularly guys on one-year prove-it deals. So if you get not maybe the oldest guy in that group, and most of those guys are going to be finishing up, I think, frankly, if, if they if they play one more year. But AJ – sorry, not AJ Brown. If um, uh, Julio Jones comes here and he says, well, you know, look, I still want to play four years in this league, or I still want to play three more years, and it's important that I get a bunch of targets, I don't want to have him sulking around the locker room all year long when the Ravens are winning – you know, and and he's not getting target share. And I think you run that risk. I think you run that risk with a lot of these receivers who are 28, 29, 30 right now. The careers not necessarily over from their perspective. You know, the rest of the league may have decided their careers are, are, are kind of over. And and they come here with an attitude that they should be getting the ball a lot. And and you know, this with you have Lamar Jackson the offense and you have a you know a run first offense, and even if you're generating a lot of plays offensively it's not a lot of targets for the wide receivers and that's just part of life here.
2: Right. This offense is very, very specific. And now we're seeing with some of the top guys on the free agent market, Jarvis Landry, Jadavion Clowney, they're taking one year deals to build back their value to hopefully, I mean, I'd assume to hopefully go back out on the market next season and get a, get a big money deal because those are guys whose careers aren't over. And while again, some of the free agent guys on the market now, like wide receiver wise, maybe they really only do have one year left, but again, if it is a target thing, John Harbaugh has clearly stated that he's not going to beg anybody to come here. You know, if you want to come here and be part of an offense, then great. But if not, you know, we'll look forward to seeing you on Sundays. That's what he said. So it is a very particular offense for wide receivers. It's one that, you know, you're not going to get the same amount of targets you get if you're going to Pittsburgh or Kansas City or some of those offenses. So I think that I think automatically eliminates a couple guys because of just clear differences in what they want versus what the team actually is. But there, there might be one or two guys out there that say, Hey, you know what? No one else is out there for me. If you guys are interested, maybe, but again, then it comes down to, is it really worth it to give that player time over the young guys that they have? That's the debate that I'm kind of looking at and saying, well, is Deshaun Jackson worth giving time over Devin Duvernay to? I, I don't think so at this point.
0: I mean, we, we really should, should have learned a lesson with say Des Bryant in terms of trying to pick guys off the reclamation project heap. And, um, yeah, you know, guys who just don't have anything left in the tank, and and you could put anybody who's been out of the league probably for two full years in that category. Certainly for for one full year, that might be true, but for two full years, for certain. And and the problem with Dez was he wasn't even a good player when he had last played. So you know, he was getting a lot of targets still with the Cowboys at that point. You know catching fifty percent of the passes. You know not, not getting separation, too many contested catches. It's, it's so much not to like about who Dez Bryant was. Before he came back, I, it just continuously befuddles me what they thought they were going to gain from that acquisition.
2: Yeah, there's a lot now that you look at in terms of just the guys that they signed. And you're, you're th- like looking back in hindsight, like, why would they sign this guy? And Crabtree got what, three years, $20, 29000000 $27 million, kind of like uh-huh. around that number. And, you know, at the time of the signing, I'm like, this is great. Like, like this is awesome. Uh-huh. He, he's exactly what they need. And then he has that drop in the Cleveland game and just, you know, he, he had he had his, I guess, one shining moment in the Chargers playoff loss. But other than that, you're, you're looking at a player like him, Macklin, who I thought was going to be great. I mean, I love Mike Wallace in Baltimore. He was a solid guy. But again, you look at that acquisition as one of the better ones in team history That's when you'd bad. rather probably yeah. have a couple of guys above that rung, If you're the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: All right. Well, let's get to, to what we've all been waiting for here, which is defining what is a good, a great and an off the charts outcome for for uh, for Jackson this season. Um, I, I, I'll, do you want to start it off with what you would, what, what would be a good outcome for you? I've got a very you know low bar I think for a good outcome for the for the Ravens here.
2: Yeah, I, I think again this is what have you done for me now the league. And I think if we can kind of wash away those memories of the back half of 2021 out, if Jackson can return to his form of even what he was in the worst parts of. 2020 for him i mean his 2020 year was not bad i think the year for him was just he had such high expectations coming off of his 2019 mvp season where people said if he doesn't improve statistically from his 2019 mvp season it's a down year when you know if we're talking about improving every year after an mvp season lamar's gonna be thrown for 70 touchdowns and you know rushing right. for 50 more so his 2020 year was good so if he can return to i think that form, maybe even a, a bit lesser of that form i think that is a low bar, like good year, but, but I think he has the potential to do so much more there. All right. I hope we haven't lost Kevin here. We might've.
0: Okay. You still there? Great. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I just lost you there for a second, but, uh, but I, I'll, I'll respond to that. I think I, I've got a little bit of a different thing. I, I I got into what you're talking about in the great category, but in the good category I have that the Ravens run offense Returns to form as a three-pronged attack. It's, it's the NFL's most dangerous again, which is exactly what it what it should be. And then the passing game is good enough as a complement to win football games. And and I don't. I am very non-specific in terms of how it has to get there. I, I do have limited hopes for the passing game this year. That there there are some significant weaknesses to it that I, I'm not sure they could be addressed with simple free agency signings. So I, I you know I want the run offense back where it was. I want the, you know, the pass offense to be good enough to win football games. And and to me, if if they could return to a 10 and seven record, which will probably get them in the playoffs, I think that would be a good season in terms of of, of the result for Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah, I think playoffs for this team is a, is a minimum. I mean, this is a very talented team. It's a very talented AFC. You know, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of yeah. teams that can make some noise. But I think that with the bounce back year that I, I think they can have, I am very high on this team in terms of their ability to make the playoffs.
0: All right, let's move on to great here. What's a great year for Jackson in your mind?
2: So I, I went back and forth on this one, but I, I think a great year for him would be the first half of 2021 and what we saw there. I mean, he had his MVP moment in 2021, mm-hmm. that Colts game where he, yes. he lit the world on fire, that comeback. I mean, he he was on track potentially. If he had kept that up to be in the MVP conversation, he, the first half of the year when we saw him, I think before the offensive line just completely crumbled, he, he was playing very very good football the decision making was there at least a lot more than we saw over the back half of the season before he got injured so if he can get back to that first half of 2021 form and the offense can build off of that now he was throwing a lot more at that stage and I think they will be throwing in 2022 if everybody is healthy but if he can do that if that's what he does in 2022 I think that that's a great year for me
0: okay so I've tried to stay away from statistics to date here but I'm going to say I'm going to put one on, on this great category is that I want Jackson's play to return to somewhere between 19 and 20. OK, and the first half of 2021, that might be a reasonable proxy. That might have been between 19 and 20. So you know we're, we're not far off in, in that particular thing. But here's my, here's my minimum level. I want to see them return to approximately 2.65 points per drive. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm not picky. I want to point out about how they get there. I'd love them to do it with a run. If they do it with the pass, that's probably OK, too. 2.65 per drive would have been sixth in the NFL last season. 2.10 was average, and the Ravens were at 2.0. A lot of that was, of course, Huntley. They were better with Jackson. Um, they could get there by reduced turnovers. They could get there by increasing their offensive success rate in terms of the um, percentage of first downs that they convert into another first down or touchdown. They could do it with more big plays. They could do it with a running game that returns to utter dominance um, or they could do it with, with some in part with a uh, high success on fourth down and, and to a lesser extent, or maybe to a great extent, third down uh, to, to extend drives in a good way. There's a lot of ways they can get there, but they were 3.08 points per drive in, in, 2019. it's not realistic for me to to expect them to get back to that kind of historic level when the league average was under two but I think 2.65 if the league average is about 2.1 would be the kind of kind of level that I would absolutely love in terms of them uh, getting back to the playoffs I think that would do it I think the defense will will support them and complement them to the to the degree needed if their if their offense is at that level.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, if they can do that, I think it's it's playoffs, no question. And you're talking about, can this team make a Super Bowl run? Because, again, efficiency is huge. And I think when looking at this 2019 offense, a lot of people look at that. And can they get back to 2019? I think it's just a different team overall. I mean, they've lost a lot of those guys. I think it's Mm -hmm. just it's different. But if you can get back to some of those levels, maybe, maybe not the absolute top of those levels, but if you can be around hovering a little bit, I think that's perfect for, I think, setting up for a great year for him.
0: Yeah, they get there in in different ways, probably. What's your what's your off the charts here? Do you have an off the charts here?
2: Man, I guess my off the charts here would be going full MVP mode. You know, back to the 2019 MVP Lamar Jackson, and you know, you unanimously too, second ever in NFL history. <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a situation where there is potential for it. Like, I'm not saying it's zero percent impossible is it likely I mean maybe not based off of everything but I mean this is off the charts that's okay exactly we (laughs) haven't seen I think this high-powered offense in a year we haven't seen it where even at the end of 2020 they were rushing for like 200 yards every game and like Mm -hmm. the Bengals game in week 17 that year so I think for Jackson getting this run offense back at least we all hope will be huge for him and I think that will open up his play action game will open up the pass game in general. So I think, yeah, 2019 MVP Lamar is is my off the charts here for sure.
0: Here's, here's I, I'll go a slightly different one because I always want to put a little twist on it. Too, but I want a I season from Jackson that creates heated debates about whether 2019 or 2022 is his greatest year, with the 2022 fans pointing to playoff success as the greater factor. So it maybe doesn't get quite back to 2019 statistically because I, I think it's just about impossible. I'll go ahead and say that it's just about impossible. The team could maybe approach it, but you know circumstances were so optimal that season that that uh, they'll do it. But I want the fans pointing to the playoff success. And go well, you know Lamar lost his first playoff game here, and look what he did this year. He went all the way into the playoffs to hear it. I I, I don't need Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl to have an off off the charts here. I'd love it if if the Ravens could get to a conference championship. I think that would answer a lot of the questions um that there have been and uh uh you know hopefully it's a very stacked AFC uh
2: anything you you want in terms of playoff
0: expectations is a is a stretch
2: yeah I mean for me AFC championship would be a successful season like a very very successful season for the Ravens I think make it but not win the AFC championship right yeah Yeah. exactly I think that would be something where I would say you know what I am, I am more than content with this season based off of the year they had in 2021, the injuries they went through, the additions they made, and just to see it pay off in that way would be right. so satisfying to see Jackson return to that form. I, I think that'd be the most satisfying of all, personally. Yeah, so
0: 2011 wasn't really satisfying in that way, but 2008 coming off, you know, not being in the playoffs in 2007 to me is one of the most satisfying seasons of all. I mean, it's Flacco and Rice's rookie year. Uh, and they made the AFC championship in an unexpected way. It was it was it was definitely an over for anyone who was you know thinking about betting on the two thousand and eight Ravens <laughs> coming off that horrible injury riddle two thousand and seven season, there's an awful lot of similarities here. and if this if this Ravens team, which is now youthified with a you know a, a fairly extensive set of draft picks here, most of which are going to be kept, um I think there's it it, it, it could be could have that same excitement of youth component to it that uh that we should really want as fans
2: yeah and obviously we haven't gotten to the uh training camp preseason type thing where there, there might be a couple injuries but i'm very i'm very confident in their depth this year i think they did a great job with i think addressing key positions of need and, and over committing to them which i think was the right decision to right. do that i mean cornerback kyle fuller that that's like the the final like puzzle piece to that secondary because you're you're kind of yeah. wondering to me at least about you know what's behind Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters? I think you have a veteran there now.
0: Okay, well, he he may or may not actually play. I think there's there's a good chance. Well, anyway, now he, he's he's a topic for another day. But uh, but I, I, I did, we did some stuff on the signing. We, we, our our enthusiasm is somewhat um, Jordan Coe and I who did the show is somewhat muted on uh, in terms of the Fuller signing. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. But he is he's an extra third cornerback. Hopefully, he's not a starter. Uh, that that uh, in fact, honest, honestly, if Fuller never plays a snap, that's probably a good thing for the Ravens, right? If he ne- if
2: he never plays, yeah, if he if he never plays, because what oh, mean oh, I, that means is you your starting cornerbacks are healthy and, and right. he never has to come yeah, in. Yeah, Humphrey and are good.
0: Yeah, he's not a candidate to play the slot, in my opinion. And and, and you know if it, it means you you address your slot corner with maybe Ardarius Washington or even Stevens, and and you end up with uh, with Humphrey staying on the outside, which I'm also a big fan of yeah, they have young depth there for sure. all right, this always happens. we We run an hour and twelve. We end up talking about cornerbacks on a Lamar Jackson uh, <laughs> uh, expectation show. but this's been a lot of fun, Kevin. really appreciate talking football with you. Animated conversation, obviously, we're really getting into this and ah uh, pumped now for for what we get out of Lamar this year and uh, and and just what kind of a season he has. Uh, I don't personally put any stock in the in the current. Um, missing uh, from non-mandatory OTAs uh, thing. W- where are you on that? Any any strong feelings?
2: No, I, I'm not strong on. It. I mean, look, I mean, it would it be nice if he was there? Like, sure, right? But I'm they're voluntary for a reason. He doesn't. I respect his decision, regardless of if he was there, if he wasn't there. My my whole thing this whole time has been, you know, it'd be nice if he was there, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not going to bash a player who's clearly been working hard all off season on his own and. Has already established himself as I think one of the hardest workers in this league overall. Yeah. So I mean OTAs are voluntary. If if this, Mike Marlon Humphrey said if it was training camp, it'd be a different story. Then you're kind of wondering what the situation is. But for OTAs, would it be nice if he was there? Yeah, but I, I'm not. I'm not worried about it because it is voluntary. All right. So they'll have the mandatory come up. He'll be there
0: for. So uh, Kevin, tell folks where they can find your work.
2: Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I am the host and producer of the Locked on Ravens podcast. We do that five days per week, Monday through Friday. So any. Ravens news, analysis, updates, opinions, we're there every single weekday. We also do a ton of stuff, both in audio and video form. So we're on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. And then I also am managing editor for Ravens Wire, So that's seven days a week. Ravens, I mean, everything relating to this team, again, news, analysis, whatever it may be. We write on the latest Ravens topics and just diving into a bunch of different really interesting conversations there. And you can also find my work on Twitter at ChaosHooker34 as well.
0: All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short this offseason, make sure you DM me. They're always open on Twitter uh, at Film Study Ravens. And love to hear from you. In particular, I want narrow topics that we can address with some depth in 25 or 30 minutes. So more interesting, the better. If it involves, it can be personal research where we'll get it on a video. It can be. uh, um an idea for a multi-segment thing. We have some a great one happening right now on the evolution of the game of football that I think is been a lot of fun to record. I can tell you, I tell you that. I hope you guys listen like listening to it as much. Uh but anyway, hit your hit me up with your
2: ideas. I'll get back to you very quickly. Kevin, thanks again for coming on and, and talking to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, of course, Ken. It's really exciting to just think about what this guy could be in 2022. I'm super excited for it. And we'll talk to you next time on film study.